about you today, but we can actually interact and engage and, and be with you today here in this place in a living way. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're present here now to teach, to help, to instruct, to encourage all of us because of the great plan you have and because of the great love you have for us and for the world. Lord, I pray today that what we receive here today would be carried out of this place to the world that's in need. I pray that it would not only benefit us, but it would benefit the lost and the broken. And I ask you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Well, let me give you a real quick um, just reminder of where we are as far as our study is going along here. We made a few statements. You're going to hear me make them a lot along the way. And my goal with that is that in the end, you'd remember them. Amen. But uh, we've said a couple of simple things, important things. One is that God has a great strategy to redeem mankind back unto himself. It clearly began with Christ coming, dying, giving himself on our behalf. But then out of that was born the church. Right? And the church was not only born out of the crucifixion and resurrection of Christ, after they saw him in his glory after his resurrection, but Jesus said to them, I'm going to send you into the whole world to be a witness for me and to make disciples of all the nations, to teach them the things I've taught you. And I'm going to use you, church, they were small at that time, but I'm going to use you as my antidote for a world that's in trouble. That has not changed, nor will it change until he comes again. That is absolutely the program of heaven that through the church should be made known to the world who God really is. And there's a lot of confusion about who God really is. It's the mandate that we've received. Now, thankfully, he didn't just push us out there in our own strength. He actually went as far as to say, wait until you're endued with power to accomplish such a big mission. You can't do this one on your own. You're going to need some help. And that help is the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. And so we've been talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and we've used a couple key verses of Scripture, which obviously, you know, are very much a part of what this local church has been emphasizing since... Um, you know, for gosh, 20 plus years now, the name of the church itself, Living Waters, was born out of a revelation from the Spirit of God from the Scriptures. Zechariah 14, 8, in that day, speaking about the last days, living waters are going to flow out. You know, the church is supposed to be outreaching into a world that's lost, right? And so that's good news. That's a mission. That's a vision that we've received that from this place, living waters would flow out to the world to feed the thirsty, to heal the broken, and so on. Uh, the important part of that that goes along with Jesus' words is found in John 7 and 37. Remember when he stands up on the last day of the feast, the Feast of Tabernacles, a picture of the end of the age, clearly, prophetically, a solid picture of the end of the age. And he says, if any man thirst... Come on, help me finish the verse. If any man first, let him come unto me and drink. He that believes on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly will flow a river of living water. And then he says this. Well, it says this. This spake he of the Spirit. So there's no confusion. shouldn't be any confusion about what this living water flowing is. It's the Holy Spirit 
flowing out of the life of the believer. If anyone believes on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly will flow a river of living water. So God's end time strategy is real simple. He's got a church of people that are called out for a purpose, to be a bride and to be a witness. And that people have been empowered by the Holy Spirit. And the question we've been asking is if living waters are supposed to be flowing out of us, come on, work, help me this morning. How's it flowing? Where is it going? And is it growing? Because clearly, if you take the time to study, and I know I'm just giving you just a quick reminder of all these things, okay? Ezekiel sees this river in Ezekiel 47 flowing out from the throne of God. And the further the river flows from the presence of the Lord, it gets deeper and wider and has more influence. And so we want to know, how's it flowing? Where is it going? And is it growing? Because God's intention is that the church not be minimized in the world today, but the church grow in its influence and authority in the earth today. And we should be concerned about that. We should be interested in these things because it's part of our mandate. It's our mission. And so I believe that the Spirit of God's here to help us and to teach us and instruct us. So, you know, like I mentioned earlier, Jesus grew and increased with wisdom, stature, and favor with God and men. Guess what? That's going to happen with the church. It's already happening. But we, the church, are going to grow and increase. Are you committed to growing? I am. Are you committed to changing? Are you committed to saying, you know what? I'm not satisfied where I am. There's more for me. I want to find out all that God had in mind for me and not only find out about it, I want to engage it. I want to do it, which means I'm going to have to get out there some. I'm going to have to stretch a little bit. You know, I find the church is bent on being comfortable nowadays. Hello. Comfortable. Just let me find my seat shaped right to my rear end. God forbid you sit in there when I show up because that's my seat. And, you know, Pastor, it's a little cold in here. Could you, could you warm it up a little bit? Pastor, it's a little hot in here. Could you turn the A? We're all wrapped around how we're feeling, but I'm telling you what, God's got something bigger in mind than just being comfortable. So I say that because I'm convinced God's going to stretch us. Are you ready to be stretched? Are you ready to be pushed? Are you ready to grow? And um, that's an exciting thing, really. It's not a, a heavy thing. It's an encouraging thing because if you really do an honest assessment, we're not really happy just sitting there. Really. There's something desperately missing if we're not engaged in the purpose God had in mind. We've got to find that thing. We've got to give ourselves to it. So this river is going to flow. This river is the Holy Spirit, practically speaking, According to the scripture, the spirit manifests itself in certain ways. The gifts of the spirit, the fruits of the spirit, there are certain ways the spirit of God manifests himself. Let me just read to you a few verses. 1 Corinthians 12 and 7. The apostle Paul is speaking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And he says this in verse 7. But the manifestation of the spirit is given to every man. To how many? To every man. To profit, actually to profit it means to bring together, to bring into unity, to bear up, to profit everyone to, with all. So the manifestation of the Spirit, not the suffocation of the Spirit, 
Not the, the squelching or the, the, you know, the quenching of the Spirit, but the manifestation of the Spirit. God's looking for manifestation. You know, just like the devil is bent on manifesting his kingdom for the whole world to see, and then they're going to put it on you know, Facebook and YouTube and on the news and all over the place to show the works of darkness. What's going to happen when the church starts moving in all of its glory and the power God had ordained? Let me tell you what, the world's going to be shaken by a church who's flowing in the anointing of the Holy Spirit. That's us. That's our calling. Manifestation of the Spirit is given, and it's given to profit. Now that's an important issue. We'll talk about it in a moment because as things begin manifesting, you know, here I am stirring the pot. I'm saying, let's get moving in the things of the Spirit. You say, oh, pastor, that's so dangerous. Yeah, I know, but you know what? To not do it is worse. To have an impotent church is worse. I'd rather get out there and start flowing and then adjust the flow as God would direct than to not have any flow. So, it's given to profit with all. Verse 8, same chapter. For to one is given through the Spirit the word of wisdom. We talked about it last week. If you weren't here, you can listen to it on the internet. Or not last week, two weeks ago. And to another, the word of knowledge. According to the same Spirit. To another, faith in the same spirit and to another gifts of healings in the one spirit and to another workings of miracles and to another prophecy and to another discerning of spirits to another diverse kinds of tongues to another the interpretation of tongues by the way we're going to talk about each one of these we're going to slow it all down and we're going to just look at each one because i'm telling you when you hear it if you've got it something in you is going to go huh, that's me or i felt stirred by that or that's that's working in my life and if you don't have it you might recognize somebody who does have it and therein is the beauty of this thing we need each other and we can begin to glean and become a functional army marching together a functional army building a team you know i'm convinced of this right now god is building armies throughout the earth they're very much uh, uh, you know, strategic in God's mind, armies to me, local assemblies of believers who are getting past the nominal, surfacey, shallow stuff. They're discovering their own personal grace and anointing, and they're figuring out how that grace meshes with the other graces that are in the body. And when all those pieces begin working together, there's going to be a huge thrust of the kingdom of God in the earth through that body of people. God is doing this right now. His strategy is the same. To all the world, the church is sent as his witness. But each part has a function, a grace you've received. So we're going to be discovering it so that we can all profit and the world can see Jesus. Amen. Are you with me? I hope you are because if you're not, you're going to be terribly bored as I keep teaching these things. So last week we looked at the word of wisdom. This week we're going to go right down the list in 1 Corinthians 12. We're going to look at the word of knowledge. The word of knowledge. Let me tell you what it's not. Okay? The word of knowledge. This gift, this is a grace gift given by God. What it's not is something acquired by study. It's not acquired by any kind of natural information you received by reading a book or by now granted the more time you spend in the scripture the better off you are when it comes to flowing in the things of god 
You know, the more off time you spend worshiping, the more likely you are to flow in the things of God. But this gift, don't be mistaken, it's not something you got from study or prior information or somebody told you something. It's totally apart from that. It's a grace gift where supernatural information, knowledge, is given to you that you could have received no other way but by the Spirit of God. Sovereign, it's powerful when it's happening. It's beautiful, and it's much like the gift of wisdom in that it often centers around problem solving. Not always, but often centers around problem solving. The word knowledge here in the Greek simply means to know. To know. Now that sounds real profound, right? But there's something more to it than just to know. I'm convinced it's attached to knowing God, and from knowing God, we know what God knows about things. It's related relationally, the word of knowledge, the word of knowing. You know, we have an incredible need to know. Think of the temptation in the Garden of Eden. What was the name of the tree that they were forbidden to eat? Come on, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, knowledge. And what a temptation. We, we're longing to know. I, I can't bear not knowing what that situation's about or what's going to happen. You know, all these movies that come out of, of people that travel into the future and they know, you know, how to invest their stock, you know. To know, to know, to know. We long to know. But you know, interestingly, in the garden, that knowledge was forbidden Knowledge. You remember when we talked about the word of wisdom, we said there was two kinds of wisdom. There's the wisdom of the world. It genders a really nasty fruit. Contest, arrogance, uh, jealousy, right? Strife, confusion. Those are all things that come out of the, the wisdom of the world. And then there's the wisdom of God, which is pure and peaceable and easy to be entreated. It's a beautiful thing. Two different kinds of wisdom. The world's wisdom, God's wisdom. The same thing's true with knowledge. There's knowledge that is worldly based and there's knowledge that's from God, that comes from God. They both have separate fruits. They both manifest differently and you and I need to discern them properly because let me tell you, you don't want to be stuck in the knowledge that's of the world, okay? All right. Uh, so like with the Garden of Eden, think about it. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Forbidden knowledge. That knowledge you're not supposed to have, God says, because it's based in pride. And if you get that kind of knowledge, it takes you, hear me, away from God relationally. It cuts you off. That knowledge cuts you off from God. As opposed to the knowledge of knowing Him, and from there He gives information pertinent to life and godliness. Real simple. Two different streams of knowledge. What we're looking for is the knowledge that comes from God. People do desperate things to get knowledge. Desperate things. I think of Saul, King Saul, who actually hired the witch of Endor to get knowledge of what was going to happen. He actually hired a witch to get knowledge. That's obviously not the kind of knowledge we're looking for. Let me give you a few scriptures. 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 1. Apostle Paul is speaking. He says, Now concerning food offered to idols, 
we know that all of us possess knowledge. This knowledge puffs up. Paul's talking about this kind of knowledge that is like this proud thing. It makes us think like, I know something. He says this knowledge puffs us up, but love builds up. If anyone imagines that he knows something, he does not yet know as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, he is known by God. Notice, I, I just feel important. it's important here to catch the spirit of this verse. Paul is saying, you'll know the difference between the knowledge that's from God and the knowledge from the world by the way it manifests itself. If any man thinks he knows something, he knows nothing like he ought to know. In essence, he's saying, if anybody thinks they've got it, if anybody feels like, I know, you know what's with, what is a pride in knowing? He just said it. Knowledge, this kind of knowledge, puffs us up. It is what has divided the body of Christ for centuries. You want to know why there's all these factions and denominational breaks and so on? The pride of knowing something that others don't know. It's the spirit of this knowledge is totally off. And God's saying, if any man thinks he knows something, he knows nothing in the way he should. So God wants us to know some things, but he wants us to know them in a right spirit, not a proud spirit. And then he uses it as a contrast. He says, but if any man loves God. Remember I said to you that the knowledge from the world separates us from God. The knowledge that's from the Lord brings us close to him. These are, this is one way you can discern which knowledge am I eating from today. Is it making me more independent? Is it making me proud and arrogant and a little not easy to be around like a know-it-all? Or is it bringing me closer to Christ and others closer to Christ? It's one of the fruits that you can discern between these two types of knowledge, okay? The love of God. Look at John 17 and 3. Let me read it to you. And this is life eternal, that they might know you. You want some knowledge? Here it is. You want to focus for your knowledge? You know, I want to know how to do this. And I want to know, listen, the highest knowledge is to know him. Jesus says, this is what eternal life is. It's to know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. See the connection. Please catch this. The connection between knowledge and relationship with God are inseparable. They are essential. Godly knowledge brings us into relationship. Okay, I've got to say that over and over because I believe this gift is going to begin flowing, the word of knowledge. And if we're not careful, we can fall into other kinds of things that will breed strife and arrogance and like, wow, I know something you don't know. And I'm trying to protect us from all that mess and get on with the real stuff, which is bringing us closer to him. I know this scripture I'm about to give you is not actually uh, like technically the word of knowledge in operation but I want you to see the principle between fellowship with God and information received because of the fellowship 
Okay, it's a beautiful story. You know it all, probably, if you read your Bible much. John 13 and 23. Jesus has got his disciples around the table. He's just got done saying that one of you is going to betray me. Right? John 13, verse 23. Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. And Simon Peter therefore beckoned to him that he should ask who it should be of whom he spake that was going to betray him. And then lying on Jesus' breast, then he lying on Jesus' breast said unto him, Lord, who is it? And Jesus answered, He it is to whom I shall give a sop when I have dipped it. And when he had dipped the sop, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. The simple point here for me is this. This knowledge, they needed to know something. Who, who is it that's going to betray? I need knowledge. I need information. The one who was able to get the information was the one who was leaning on Jesus' chest. If and I'll say this as it relates to all the gifts of the Spirit. Nearness to Christ makes the gifts operate and flow a lot more readily and a lot more easily. Nearness to Christ. You might have a legitimate gift, but if you're not spending time with Christ, personal, relational time with your Savior then these gifts will get skewed and perverted and minimized and get sideways and get mixed up with other things. And you know, you've seen and perhaps even done it where you've had some mixture going on in your life. We're trying to get a pure stream here. Get out all the mixture. And one of the keys to that is nearness to Christ. Knowledge that flows from relationship. Knowledge that flows from relationship. I love what Pastor or Dr. Jerry Williamson said last weekend, it was kind of a repeat of something I think I had said uh, on the word of wisdom, but the world is becoming more and more desperate for answers. And our politicians and our leaders who aren't walking with God don't have the answers. They don't. Guess what? Guess where those answers reside? In Christ, in a people who have to now be grown into a ministry that they have enough boldness and confidence to speak what God gives. That's what this is about. This is about shaking the church up. This is about activating each member of the body of Christ. This is about tapping into the resource that God has made available. You know, John the Beloved so let me say it this way. If there's any way to grow the gifts, and there is, because Jesus grew in wisdom, and there's ways to grow your gift and your anointing, the best and fastest way to grow your gift is intimacy with Christ. Lean on Him. Lean into Him. In Him is all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In Him is everything you'll ever need. And that's where it all has to start, because that's where it's all going to end. And if your gift isn't bringing people to Him, you're missing it anyways. It's not for your own kingdom. It's not for your own stuff. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, familiar verse. Lean not. John was leaning on the Lord. Here's what the proverb says. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. Or he'll give you the word of knowledge. He'll give you the wisdom. He'll give you the information you need. How do you get it? Leaning not on your own stuff, but in all your ways, acknowledging, really is what it's saying, in all your ways, lean on Him. 
In all your ways, trust Him. And from that place, these things begin to flow. So, how many of you remember this? Wisdom, right, is the application of knowledge. Right? Wisdom is taking something you know. Generally speaking, wisdom would be to have, if you've got some information, how to apply knowledge. What do you do with it? Right? These two, wisdom and knowledge are partners. Let me say it this way. Just because you know something doesn't mean you should say something. Hello. Just because you have information doesn't mean you're supposed to tell somebody. Just because you have a thought run through your mind doesn't mean it's a word for the church. Amen. It's okay though. Listen, we're going to grow in wisdom, right? Wisdom and knowledge work together. And this is all about, you know, I was thinking the other day, um, I know you're going to be happy for me. I went fishing the other day. Hey, woo! thank you, Lord. It was awesome. And uh, actually, Christy's sister's in town from Brazil, so they were going to want to go. And I said, well, I'm going to go real early, and y'all can meet me there. I'll fish for a while and meet you there. So I was out there cast netting some bait and stuff. And I just, had, I, I just love getting out there sometimes just by myself with God. I got a little electric trolling motor, and I'm trolling up this back creek, you know, and I'm looking for mullet and bait fish on the surface, and I'm going to throw my cast net. And, uh, you know, my mind is just funny at times. But I'm thinking about the ministry. I'm thinking about life. I'm thinking about this moment right now, preaching on Sunday. I got all this stuff going through my mind, you know. And I'm throwing the cast net, and this thought runs through my mind as I'm throwing it. As you throw, you grow. And I'm thinking, you know, the thought was, kind of like you know you learn to do this by doing it you know and so you grow and you get better at it you know anybody ever thrown a cast net let me tell you the first couple times you throw one it's usually not real pretty the the goal is to get that thing to open all the way up into a big circle right it's got like a line attached to it and you throw it way out there and you got to get it timed right the release has got to be right you know if you're not careful, you'll do what they call throw a banana. And you say, what's a banana? It's when the net goes out there and it looks like a banana when it hits the water. It didn't open in a big circle, you know. I have thrown a ton of bananas, okay, out there. And you'll watch whole schools of fish swim by right around your banana, you know. They just swim right on by it. So as you throw, you grow. And I thought the Lord was just saying to me, you know, listen, we're never going to grow in any of these things if we don't throw the net. And I have to confess, I learned to throw a cast net on the internet. I did. I mean, I had people tell me, you know, I tried, but I had to get some tutorial videos, and I ch- and I tried different kinds, you know, wrap it around your head. I mean, I about died a couple times trying to get these things right. <laughs> but I might put it in your mouth. Yeah, just don't put the lead sinker in your mouth. You know, there's a lot of things you got to watch out for. Instruction. Hear me and practice instruction and practice what you're getting today concerning the gifts of the spirit is some simple instruction but without practice it's never going to grow into anything in your life so here's the point we're going to have to throw the net some it's going to hit the water funny you know every now and then somebody might get up and try to operate in their gift and and you might go that was a banana You know what? Don't condemn them. 
thank God they're throwing the net. Thank God they're throwing the net. Now I understand that, you know, the, 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 the moment might pass and the bait swam right by. Are you with me this morning? But we got to be a church that's willing to grow. And you got to throw to grow. Amen. Nobody has to tell me when I throw a banana. Now, every now and then, in a church setting, the pastor might have to tell you that was a banana. <laughs> okay? And let me help you figure out how to, how to get the net wider. You know, there's a timing issue. Let me just kind of take a little side moment here and just talk to this because it's important for us. Because on one hand, I'm saying, come on, church, figure out your grace, figure out how it flows and meshes together. But we have a goal here and the goal is to capture what God is doing in the moment so we need to discern you know I made the comment just because you have knowledge doesn't mean you're supposed to say something just because you see something doesn't mean it's time to do it the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet God is not the author of confusion so there's kind of like this flow we're going to build together it's risky come on you know, but what we're looking for is the theme of the Holy Spirit. And typically, I know in my heart, like if I got a prophecy, I can feel it bubbling. I can't hold it, you know? And let me, listen, let me just give you some little, maybe this will bring some comfort to you. If you're in question, you're not sure, just slip up and ask Pastor Christie or ask myself, say, I got a word, you know? Is this okay now? It's okay. We're going to grow together. We're going to learn together. But God forbid we quench the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. And together, the manifestation of the Spirit is given to profit everyone. It's given to be a blessing. So, if you don't throw, you don't grow. I commend those who are willing to throw the net. Amen. Praise the God. Praise the God. <laughs> Praise the only God. <laughs> Praise the eternal God. <laughs> I'm going to slip over into the gift of tongues here shortly. You know, I'm almost done with my net illustration, but I just saw my note, so I've got to finish this thought out. You know, when I'm standing on the bow of my boat, there's something called loading the net, okay? So <clears throat> you pull this little collar up and all the weights are down there in the net and you've got this thing, you know, you've coiled up a bunch of line, you get the net up there, right? And there's a way to load the net and you get it, you get it all, like you like make a big loop out of it and you do what they call pulling the harp and you get all, and you load this half of the weights over here, half here, and you put a piece up in your mouth and you get just the, just the cord, not the weight. You get in your, I'm, I'm going to be okay. I appreciate your care for me as your pastor. That's awesome. But you get, so, so, you know, it's a process, right? You got the net loaded, and, and you got this in your mouth here. Woo. And then you reach down here, and you grab another piece like that, and then you wait. And you're like this on the bow of the boat. And there's fish coming by, and you're waiting for them. They'll spook if you're not careful. It's really an art form. I, tell you, I get so sidetracked catching bait sometimes, I forget to go fishing. <laughs> I'm, I'm, just, I'm just out there having fun throwing the net, you know? So you take it, you wait, you wait, you wait, and here they come. And, and you know, you're hoping you're not going to throw the banana, but you're waiting. And at, when the timing is right, then you throw the net. Whew, and you get it to open up, and hopefully it lands where the fish are, and you get all the bait you need, right? It's the same way 
in the Spirit. We can be in a moment of worship. What you ought to be doing is loading your net. You're there in that place worshiping, ministering to the Lord, and you feel something swelling in you. Could be a word of exhortation. Could be a prophecy. Could be a prayer like Shauna had. It could be something going on inside of you. Okay, What you're trying to do is get ready in your own heart. There's a way to get ready in your heart. God, if you want to use me, and if this is right, I'm trusting you to show me when to throw. And if it's not, if the fish are too far away, it's not in the flow, it's not going to happen, I'm not going to throw the net. But please, don't sit idly by as a spectator when you're called to be a part of a living body doing something for Jesus. Amen. Listen, you may never have anything that's going to get you up publicly and, uh, and speak with... It's okay. Not everybody's called to get up front and do something. I don't want you to misunderstand that. But you are called to participate in the anointing in the room. And that might be a word of something to a friend or something that's going on. But you've got to get ready. That's the point. Load the net. Shake yourself. The bait is swimming by. We come together time after time again and we miss the bait. Sometimes it's just moving. God's moving, but nobody's got the net loaded. Nobody's looking maybe, or, or not nobody, but you know, we just got to get better at it. Amen? And it's, it's a lot of fun. Amen. You got something? Okay, you got the net loaded? Okay. <laughs> yeah, you got to go into here real quick. It's okay. You know, picturing where Peter was out in the boat and they had gone back to fishing and the Lord was out on the shore. Mm. Um, and they didn't realize it was him, but they, he told them to cast the nets out. Mm. They've been fishing all night. It just came to me that that's kind of like the timing thing that you were talking about. And Amen. If we respond immediately yeah, to, the word, word. to the word, what's spoken. Amen. Um, and then the nets were so full they couldn't bring awesome. it Awesome. Great word. Yeah. According to the word. I knew there was a scripture to support what I was talking about. <laughs> I knew it was there. I, I just had this picture of you holding the net in your mouth. And then if you throw it, you know, God loads you, you get loaded up with the word, and then you got the, the net in your mouth, and you throw it, but if you don't let it go out of your mouth, then the... You lose your teeth. You, well, you lose the moment. Yeah, you lose the moment and your teeth. <laughs> I've had some teeth pulled a few times, not lose, lost them, but... Uh, have felt them. You learn to open your mouth. <laughs> awesome. Amen. Yeah, on the right side of the boat as opposed to the wrong side. <laughs> uh, let me give you a couple examples of this gift, the word of knowledge. What is it? How it operates. It's nice to see some examples in the scripture. John <coughs> chapter 1, verse 44. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Now think about what, what he's doing here. He's operating out of his natural knowledge about Nazareth. Right? Can anything good come out of there? That doesn't really equal in my mind. And Philip said to him, Come and see. And Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, 
in whom there is no deceit. And Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? And Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Can you, this is a, this is a really clean example of the word of knowledge. Before, Jesus had never physically seen him before, but while Philip was going to get him, Jesus saw him and saw not just the physical man so he could identify him when he physically showed up, but he saw the heart of Nathaniel. He saw who he was. You see, the word of knowledge actually makes known hidden things. Things that people don't often share the word of knowledge will bring to the light. So, uh, and then look what happens here. He says, I saw you. And then Nathaniel answered him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And Jesus answered him, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree. Do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. He's saying, I saw you, and guess what? You're getting ready to see some things. Because I'm here, you're going to do what I do. I'm going to give you the anointing I've received, and you're going to start operating and functioning in these things as well. Notice the fruit of the word of knowledge in this case. Someone who is not a believer, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? All of a sudden, here's the word of knowledge. Hey, I know you, and I know your heart. And here it is. That one word of knowledge converted Nathaniel into a believer. He said, you're the Christ. You're, the, you're everything, man. You're it. Think of the power of that. That tells me that when this gift operates, people should be coming to the Lord as a result of this gift. People coming to the Lord as a result of this gift. It brought faith to Nathaniel. Another great example, Matthew 17. It says, uh, let's see, Matthew 17, verse 24. When they came to Capernaum, the collectors of the temple tax came to Peter and they asked him, does your teacher pay the temple tax? Certainly, he answered. Peter went into the house. Before he could speak, Jesus asked, what do you think, Simon? From whom do the kings of the world collect fees or taxes? Is it from their family members or from other people? From other people, Peter answered. Jesus said to him, then the family members are exempt. However, so that we don't create a scandal, this particular translation uses the word scandal, or so we don't create offense, maybe your version says there, go to the sea and throw in a hook, take the first fish that you catch, open its mouth, and you will find a coin. Give that coin to them for you and me. Talk about a word of knowledge. Here they got a problem, and the problem is they need some money to pay taxes. Anybody ever had that problem? A couple of you? Okay. Money to pay taxes. And uh, Peter's outside, and they're questioning Peter to get to Jesus. And Jesus, by the Spirit, is privy to the whole thing. Peter comes in, and he says to Peter, you know, what we just read. And then Peter says, 
so we don't create unnecessary drama. That sounds like wisdom working with the word of knowledge. So we don't create issues that are not necessary. We don't create offense. We don't create a scandal. We don't create a bunch of drama here. Here's what we're going to do. I've got a word of knowledge. There's a fish swimming around with a coin. Now, I have a conviction of how that fish got the coin. I think somebody was out fishing one day. They emptied their pocket, and they dropped a coin, and the fish saw it flash and went, Hew. but it could have happened anyway. Jesus knew it. And think of the, think of the, the possibility, the, the odds. Even if Jesus had thrown the coin and watched the fish catch it to say, go throw your hook in in the first one you catch. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's like, wow, what favor, what knowledge. Amen. Word of knowledge. That's a blessing. You got something you want to put on there? Okay. As you were asking about the words of how wisdom has been stirring in us and when you were talking about well you kind of know Holy Spirit stirring in you mm. and it's just bubbling up in you and you really need to get it out and as you're talking about these things and these ladies over here already spoke some things that the Lord had already been weighing on my heart and on the 8th mm. I was um, really praying for wisdom in our finances and our business mm. and um, so the Lord gave me a rhema word about the temple tax <laughs> and said you know but so that we may not offend them, go to the lake and throw out your mm. line and take the first fish you catch and open its mouth and you'll find a four drachma coin and take it and give it to them for my tax and yours. Mm. And that was like, that was the direct word of wisdom and knowledge that I really, really needed at that moment because I just really wasn't sure, you know, the direction God was having us go. And, but that gave me such... Because I felt like we kept dropping our line in the same spot. <laughs> and I felt like we even mm. dropped our line in the spot God told us to drop it in. Mm. And then God's like, no, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to bring something forth from a very peculiar place. You're not going to expect it. And he gave me the short little word of mm. encouragement behind that, if I can read yeah, that to you guys. It. He said, hmm. I am the God who, all, who provides all your needs. I always provide enough and just in time. I can make your provision come from the most peculiar of places, but indeed it is from me. Mm. I am the one who cares for you the most. I know exactly what I am doing. You have been faithful with little, and I am growing you to be able to be faithful with much. My timing is perfect. Remain steadfast in me. I have a plan as I always do. You will not have to worry for anything, for I am making a way. Keep your faith in me, for I am the only way. Without me, there is no blessing, nor is there any anointing upon anything you do. So let, so let go, my children, and let me flow from you. Do not let fear keep stealing me from you. Do not forget whose you are. You are mine, and I am yours. This will remain true forevermore. So go, drop your line on the right side, and in its place where you expect nothing, that you will find everything, for I am a faithful God. Amen. Awesome. <laughs> awesome, awesome. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. 
Glory to God. You know, it's a mystery, isn't it? How God has placed a provision in the body. We're carrying often what somebody else needs in the room. Out of your own testimony, your own journaling, your own thing. That word was for somebody in this room. More than one, no doubt. Absolutely, I'm just saying. But I believe specifically people that are in critical maybe moments with that type of an issue. Right from the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Well, in the case of Jesus, think of what that word of knowledge did for them. It advanced the ministry of Jesus. He had to pay that tax and he minimized the drama that was there. I love this because of the principle of hidden riches in secret places. Hidden riches, secret places. There was a fish swimming with a coin that was destined for the ministry of Jesus. But without a word of knowledge, that would have never been realized for the advancing of the kingdom of God. And I'm telling you, there are riches laid up right now that God's about to release to the church. And often it's going to happen through this anointing, the word of knowledge. God's going to bring it to pass. Isaiah 45 and 2 says this, I will go before you and make the crooked places straight. I will break in pieces the gates of brass and cut in sunder the bars of iron. Hear this, verse 3. And I will give you the treasures of darkness and hidden riches of secret places. Hidden riches of secret places. There was a fish holding a coin hidden. And God says, I'm going to give you the stuff that's hidden. Isn't that good news? Come on. The church is going to start accessing provision from God by words of wisdom, words of knowledge. They're going to be flowing by the Holy Ghost. And they may seem totally... Think of how bizarre that sounded to Peter. Go and throw... And Peter was a fisherman. Probably cleaned thousands of fish over the course of his life and never seen one with a coin in its mouth. And yet at the word of Jesus... Yeah, he probably offended his pride a little bit. But you know what? I think he'd been around Jesus long enough to know that if Jesus says do it, do it. That's like Mary said. Whatsoever he says to you, just do it. When he was making water into wine. <laughs> Kay, is your net loaded? <laughs> this is an interesting meeting. I didn't expect to go this way, but we're going to go with it today. Next week, maybe not, but today we are. <laughs> this it's is good. an interesting meeting, and I appreciate a pastor that will allow the Holy Spirit to take a turn and go in a different direction than he planned to. Mm. Thank you. Amen. Because without you allowing it, the Holy Spirit couldn't do it, really. So, praise God. Amen. Praise God. Anyway, my word is a little bit different. But it's still the same thing. You that have children, and a lot of you do, my children are growing up now. They're all in their 40s, except for one that's 37. But anyway, uh, I raised my children in the Lord. I read the Word to them. Uh, they were even baptized in the Holy Spirit and spoke in tongues at a very young age, three and four. 
And when two things happened, and they were the gifts in operation, and I want you to, I want, my ex exhortation is to say, pay attention to your children. Because it says a little child will leave them. And in both cases, well, one case, my husband at the time and his friend were saved from a um, plane crash. They were flying in a private plane from Colorado to Utah. And you know, there are a lot of mountains in that area. And we had a three-story house, and Jason and Chad were playing like they were airplanes, flying down these stairs. And I didn't pay any attention at first, and then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit said to me, they're in that small plane flying home. You pray. And so I started praying, and Bob called me from the airport, and he said, what were you praying? He said, were you praying? That was his first question. And I said, yes, because Jason and Chad were pretending they were an airplane, and God said, pray. And he said, at the very moment I think that you were praying, God spoke to the pilot, Danny, and said, this airplane can't go over the mountain because it was losing uh, dropping, yeah, dropping, 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 and they would have crashed right into the mountain. But at the time you prayed, it went up over the mountain, and he said, let's turn around and go back and take a commercial flight because we won't make it. And so that was one time. Another time, I was in the car with a friend. Jason was four years old, baptized in the Holy Spirit, and he turned around and said to my friend, why aren't you home when your children get home from school? And I said, Jason, sit down and be respectful. And he said, okay, and he did for a second. And he came back up to the seat and he said, why aren't you home when your kids get home from school? And I said, Jason, be respectful. He sat back down and moved back. The third time, why aren't you home when your kids come home from school? And she said, Kay, it's okay. I'm never home. God's been convicting me. I knew I needed to be home. It's really the Lord that's talking to me. So all I want to say is we need to listen to our children and grandchildren and pay attention to what we think is disrespectful or what we think are just playing. Because oftentimes, a little child is leading us. Amen. Awesome. Amen. Yeah. Amazing. You know, what's, it's, that's an awesome testimony, and I'm convinced it's true. The Spirit of God is speaking, and if we're a people that are seeking to hear Him, it's awesome. You know, nice thing about this kind of meeting is that at the end of the meeting, if somebody feels like I've been long-winded, I can share the blame. It's awesome. We just go there together. We say, you know what, there was, there was eight of us, man. You know, so just... <laughs> I'm going to finish all my notes either way. Hallelujah. No, it's good. I love it, you know. Let's just see what God's going to do. But let me get my notes out, too. Unless, of course, God says no. Amen. That's good too, isn't it? Don't say amen. 
Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you some references that are... I'm trying to give you some good examples from the Scripture. Word of knowledge. How does it operate? Remember Paul, when he's on his way to Rome, and the Roman soldiers carrying him, and they hit a certain area, and they're in this area, and, and uh, it's late in the season, and the wind is starting. You know, it's not a good time to be traveling. And they're having a conversation. Their conversation is... You know, we're going to push on to the next port so we can get where we need to in a timely fashion. And Paul says, men, I perceive it's not a good time to travel. And if you travel right now, it's going to be with much loss of the cargo and even of life. And it says that the captain of the ship, I'm sorry, the, the, the Roman leader decided to go with the knowledge of the captain of the ship instead of the knowledge that Paul received from God. And guess what happened? You know the story? They end up shipwrecked. God is merciful in the process of that whole thing. You can read the account of that in Acts 27. Let me just read to you those two verses there. Paul said, Sirs, I perceive that the voyage will be with injury and much loss, not only of the cargo and the ship, but also of our lives. But the centurion paid more attention to the pilot and to the owner of the ship than to what Paul said. Well, they get out there anyways. God in his mercy, the ship is going down. It's having a hard time. And finally, now people are willing to receive the anointing that's on Paul. And Paul says, <clears throat> I told you so. As the ship is, don't you love those moments when you're able to say, I told you so. He says, but guess what? Don't worry, because I had another encounter with God. The angel of the Lord stood by me tonight and said that no one would die, though the ship's going to be lost and all of its cargo, but you've got to stay in the will of God. And others tried to get out of the boat early, and Paul says, tell them if they get out of that boat, people are going to die. And the guy said, "Up, oh, stop, you can't get out. And they all survived. Operating in a living word of knowledge where God is saying, if you do this, you'll get that. It all came by the Spirit. I like the word here that says, Sirs, I perceive, I perceive that the voyage will be with injury and much lost. You know, sometimes they're standing around, think of the scene, they're standing around talking about natural information. It's not a good time to put the boat out there because the winds are bad this time of year. They're talking about natural information and Paul is privy to the conversation and in his spirit, we don't know for sure if he got this word that said don't do it or if the perception was, it was like a witness in the spirit. If you do it now, it's going to be disastrous. Paul New. Did you know that every born-again believer has a witness on the inside of them? And sometimes you might just be listening to a conversation and in your own spirit something goes, it's not right. Something's not good. It's like, it, it might not be this like clear thought that hits you, that's, you can just write it down, but in your gut, it's the Spirit of God nudging you with some information about that situation. That's 1 John 5 and 10 about the witness of the Spirit. Here's a good one. It's one of the last ones I'm going to use here today because um, of our time's sake, but you've got to hear it. It's important. This is the one that, uh, boy, I tell you, it's sizzling hot, but it's the account of Ananias and Sapphira. Wow. That one needed to be written on asbestos paper. 
I mean, this thing is just fiery. Acts 5 and 1. But a, na- a man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property. And with his wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought only a part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. Now let me, let me tell you that the, the sin here wasn't the fact that they gave some of their proceeds to the kingdom and some not. The sin was that they were acting like they were giving it all. That was the sin. They were deceiving the, to the Holy Spirit and to the church. They were trying to impress people outwardly like they were doing some great thing, but they were deceiving people. Okay? So, and they, so they laid this so-called sacrificial offering at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man, but to God. When Ananias heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last. And great fear came upon all who heard it. The young men rose and wrapped him up, carried him out, and buried him. After an interval of about three hours, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Bet she wishes she had the word of knowledge. Not knowing what had happened. And Peter said to her, Tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, Yes, for so much. But Peter said to her, How is it that you have agreed together to test the Spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out as well. Immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. When the young men came in, they found her dead. They carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard of these things. You say, I thought the gifts of the Spirit were to profit everyone. Didn't sound like that profited Ananias and Sapphira that day. Let me tell you, God was nipping something in the bud that would have been like a cancer in the church in its infancy. God was coming in and and saw the deceitful nature of the spirit that was moving there. And that's pretty hot stuff. Let me tell you what the fruit of it was, was the fear of the Lord among the people of God. And that was an important thing. Let me encourage you, you know, um, grow in grace. Don't just jump out the gate with this one. Like you're going to drop dead because of what you, you know, I know something about you. I did have an experience. I have to share this with you. Years ago, we were, co- we were brought into this very difficult situation. And I received an allegation against somebody that they had had a relationship that was not appropriate and so on. And so as a pastor, I went to this individual and I asked them. And the individual with great conviction denied everything. And I said, okay. I just I said okay I, I trust you you know but the person who brought the allegation to me wouldn't let it go and I tried to go back and talk with them some more and as we talked in my gut I just felt like I was going to have to dig deeper so I gathered the person who the allegation was against again and I said I appreciate you just taking the time with me here but 
I got to know, there's still more going on here. And the person totally denied the incident. And I just said to him, I said, listen, I've got one of two choices. I said, I can do this with a small incision or a big incision, which means more people have to get involved because there's more people in this allegation that I could start digging. I'm trying to minimize all the public stuff as best I can. But I'm kind of in a situation. And so we went back and forth, back and forth. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the Spirit of God spoke to me, Acts 5.3. I could not tell you what Acts 5.3 said. I'm telling you, I I couldn't pull that verse up in my mind. All I heard was Acts 5.3. So later on, I got out my Bible, Acts 5.3. You have lied to the Holy Ghost and not to man. Wow. So I called the individual back in, and I said, you're lying. I can't ever tell you in my life as a pastor any other time that I've done it like that, ever. I just came right out the gate, boldly, and I said, you're lying. And they, no, I said, you're lying. You need to get right with God. Denied it. I ended up getting my scalpel and cutting a little deeper, and sure enough, it was what the Holy Ghost had said. They were lying. I'll never forget that. I'll never forget what Acts 5.3 says either. That was like one of those words, like, shoom. Where did it come from? It came from the Lord. Why would God do it? God was trying to spare the individual. This was a merciful thing, really. The person was living in a lie and deceiving their family and other people and creating an issue that was going to create huge problems. But God, in his mercy, brought a word of knowledge about the situation and nipped it where it needed to be nipped. It's an important gift of the Spirit. It's, i got to say it again. I don't believe the primary function of this gift is to go around and uncover people's stuff. It is a problem-solving gift. It's a grace given to bring insight into things, to bring life and peace and the kingdom of God into situations. But boy, for me as a pastor, I needed to know. I needed to know. One last story. You ready for one more? One last one. I love this story because we're living in it today and the benefit of it today, but uh, it's a story, you've maybe heard it already, many of you, but uh, how our dear brother Brian, Alvary, and Stacy and their family came. It was really a word of knowledge. And uh, we were, had a situation where we had hired somebody to be the headmaster of our school, and we did it with a lot of, I have to go back and just be honest about it, we used a, we used a lot of natural approaches to find a headmaster. We ran a big ad out there. We did all these things. We, took, we, we got a guy that reg, you know, signed up for the job. We ran him through a bunch of competency tests in the natural, which is not a bad thing to do. Is this guy really educated? Is he smart enough? And those are all good things to do. Nothing wrong with that, per se. But looking back, we were leaning on our own stuff and not leaning on the Spirit of God. <clears throat> Two months into that headmaster, I realized I had the wrong guy over the school. Two months in. It was so clear, I couldn't deny it, and I realized I was going to have to graciously ask this gentleman to bow out. And we worked out a gracious compensation change for him and so on. But I knew that I knew that I knew that if I didn't act, the whole school would go away. It was plain to me. Okay? So I'm thrust into wearing a tie 
shaking hands as people are coming, going, Brian, you know the role out there. I'm out there in the parking lot, greeting people, waving at people, trying to create stability for families, okay? Pastor Rob should not be a school administrator. Say amen. <laughs> okay, so there I am. It drove us to fasting and prayer. Ever been there? Ever been squeezed into fasting and prayer? That's where we were, fasting and prayer. You know, the more, the more cars you wave at, the more you fast, you know? <laughs> And, uh, and so one night I was going to bed about, I don't know, five days into this fast. I was upstairs and I s- sat on the bed and I was just talking to the Lord and out of nowhere the Spirit of God spoke to me. We were queued up to go to a conference in Pensacola, Florida. Uh, and the Lord spoke to me and he said, the headmaster for your school is in the church where that conference is at you're getting ready to go to. And I was like, I'm delirious. I'm desperate. I mean, really, I, I, started, I started in my own mind, I'm, think, I'm thinking, you know, you know the, the, the stress of this whole thing has just made me mad, you know? I mean, but, but, you know, when the word came, like, in my spirit, I just, this peace came over me. And I thought, is that you, God? So I called the pastor, and I said, I know this is strange, but let me tell you about what's going on. And I said, let me tell you what, what I feel like the Lord just said to me. And he said, you know, off the top of my head, I can't think of anybody. Let me check my database. I'll get back to you. And he calls me back like a day later. And he says, you know what? I got somebody I think might fit the spot. And I said, well, can you set up a meeting? And when I come there, we'll interview and we'll talk about it and whatever. So sure enough, we went. And the rest is history. Dear Brian and Stacy and their family moved all the way. And they've been such a blessing to this place. This school has thrived under their leadership. And, uh, and it all came out of a word of knowledge from the Lord. And, you know, it was God's mercy to this desperate pastor going, God, what am I going to do? I can't put on a tie one more day. I mean, it's going to kill me. God came through. How many years ago has that been now? Eight years ago. Glory to God. The goodness of the Lord taking the school to a whole nother level by the grace of God. It's been the word of knowledge, the word, a gift from the Spirit of God. I'm telling you, there's grace available to help us along. The word of knowledge is one of those great graces. How will you know it's from God? How will you know? Check the fruit of it. Like wisdom, pure, peaceable, easy to be entreated. Is this knowledge puffing you up? Or is this knowledge edifying the body? Is this knowledge making you feel like you're better than somebody? Chances are, if it's the way it's acting in you, it's probably not the Lord. It's a knowledge that God gives that brings life to people, doesn't segregate people, and it's a gift from the Holy Ghost. So here's what I want to do. I'm going to read one last scripture. Promise. And then we're going to pray together because I'm believing God for an activation. Right? Maybe you're, maybe you're already carrying this grace and you've had thoughts that have come into your mind and you've just did what I did. You just kind of dismiss them and go, that's just craziness. You know, that's just stupid. I'm telling you, often God is trying to say something to you about something and you've got to start letting God demonstrate the truth behind what he's saying. Here's a good verse of Scripture, important verse when you're trying to understand this grace of knowledge. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, in verse 4 and 5, it says this. 
Paul the Apostle speaking. He says, for I know nothing by myself. Boy, that's so important. I know nothing by myself. Yet am I not hereby justified. But the Lord that judges me, I mean, but he that judges me rather is the Lord. Now notice this. Judge, therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes who will who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the hearts and then shall every man have praise of God. So just catch this, real simple. I believe this is how you should position yourself. Of my own self, I know nothing. Just go ahead and admit it. You're not as smart as you think you are. And the knowledge of the world will take you away from God. It's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It'll make you critical of people. It'll make you proud the knowledge of the world. But God's knowledge, okay, is found by an act of humility which says, Paul just said it, I know nothing of myself. I don't, if any man thinks he knows anything, we read it in the beginning, if any man's got an attitude around how much he knows, he knows nothing like he should know. Wrong spirit. Get out of that spirit. Just go ahead and humble yourself. Walk in humility, right? Paul says this, judge nothing before the time. The tendency is, when you see a situation, there's a problem, and you're trying to weigh in and fix it, here's the tendency, because we ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, we think we know what's the right thing to do. So the tendency is, we see a problem, and we start judging the problem. But Paul says, judge nothing before the time, which means resist the temptation to judge it. Resist it. When you find yourself going, here's the problem, and I, I'm, I'm terrible, I gotta confess today. You know, I, I spent my life, it seems like, much of my life, problem solving, right? People come with me with, they need an answer for this. Need, so after a while, you just, you know, it's, you, you can't, I just feel like I, that's, what I, that's who I am, I'm a problem solver, right? Uh-uh, not so much. I can screw a thing up in a heartbeat. And I get into this tendency where I'll just start shooting answers too quickly. And God says, judge nothing before the time. Wait. Just catch yourself. Instead, you say, you know what? Truth is, I really don't know the answer to that at the moment. I don't know. So let me just kind of wait. And when you start disciplining your soul to stop answering before the time, and then it says, until the Lord comes. Now, some want to say that means the second coming. I'm convinced that means in that situation, in that deal that you're with. Wait. Ju don't judge it. And you can do that and still be gracious with people. Just say, you know, let me just kind of wait on the Lord with that one. I don't want to give you an answer before I know. In the waiting, God gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. So by waiting, the Lord will come and make known, as we just read, the hidden things the things that are below the surface. But it comes to a heart that's humble and waiting. Can you get that? Simple practical point, but if we're going to operate in this grace, really all of these graces function, I believe, this way. It's an acknowledgement, I don't have it on my own, and I need something from God. Stand up on your feet. I want to pray with us today, if you will, please. And uh, I hope 
You're hungry today. You know why? Because there's people out there, maybe it's right, maybe it's you yourself, maybe it's right in your own household, but I can assure you, beyond the circle of your own home, there's a world needing God's knowledge. Problems everywhere, and God's looking for you and I to be uh, a vessel. Amen to bring blessing and to bring grace to people. Father, I just want to thank you today (laughs) that you haven't left us powerless, but you've given us your spirit. Lord, you said out of our belly would flow rivers of living water. And I want to thank you for this congregation and their willingness to get out there and to throw the net, Lord. I thank you even for this meeting, the, the different words that came forth, the exhortations, the confirmations, the insights, Lord. I just want to thank you that that can translate outside this building with words of wisdom and words of knowledge. Lord, I pray that you would give us uh, that understanding heart, Lord, that you would help us to not just bypass or, or minimize the thoughts you're bringing to us, but you would give us the kind of grace we need to step out and be a blessing with these, these truths. Lord, I pray a special um, release right now over this congregation. Why don't you just lift your hands up if you're, if you're wanting God to increase you here. Just a release to this congregation. Words of wisdom and words of knowledge. Hidden secret things that we need to know that are key to breaking off the the bondages and the chains and the confusion the devil has set up. Father, I thank you right now for an anointing of the word of knowledge over this congregation. And I thank you, Father, for the effect of that ministry and and for the deliverance of people who are captive in Jesus' name. Lord, the lost would just come to Christ like Nathaniel who didn't believe and then suddenly he believed. Lord, that people would be in awe of you and what you know and what you see. Lord, I thank you for it. We just, like with wisdom, we ask and we receive it now in Jesus' name as a gift from you. And I thank you for helping us to grow in that grace and grow in that gift. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, why don't you give the Lord a clap? Thank you for it, Father. Thank you. Amen. Amen. I think I've got a word. Go and eat your lunch. Amen. Praise the Lord. God bless you. Can I get a witness? Is there a witness to that?